0: to the Help Your Shelf podcast where we take a critical look at self-help and self-improvement literature. My name is Joshua Wolf and I am a master's level counseling intern from Oklahoma City University.
1: And my name is Josh Buss. I'm also a master's level counseling intern from Oklahoma City University. So today we're doing a, a bit of a different show. Instead of critiquing the dubious uh, claims for how to live a good life that other people make, We're going to give our own dubious advice on living a good life. So we're each going to uh, share five of our rules for for living. Um, For me, at least, these are personal rules, not ones that I'm suggesting to the world at large. Josh probably wants all of you to follow his rules so that you live a happy and healthy life. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I'm going to take more of a, this is my personal rules for life approach.
0: Yeah. I think the rules that I've got, um, are ones that I feel would benefit a lot of people. Um, they, uh, they may not be supremely personal to me. Um, some of them I have trouble with some of them I'm, uh, not really good at. And, uh, I think, um, when we both talked about wanting to do these, um, this list, uh, I really had to sit down and say, what, what do I think is going to make the greatest impact in my life? And what do I think would be good for other people? Um, that's broad enough and, and generally applicable enough that no matter who you are, I feel like you can apply these, uh, at least in some way in your life.
1: I only pick things that I feel like I'm already relatively good at. So I don't feel like I'm a <laughs> hypocrite telling other people to do those things yeah. but you know different approaches. That's all right. <laughs> all good so what's your first what's your first rule for living that you think everyone, irregardless of their position in life, should follow?
0: Josh? Uh, the first rule I have is have a mentor. Uh, and what I mean by that is find somebody who's further along in their walk with their life than you are. Uh, it doesn't have to be a mentor academically, uh, career-wise, but somebody who you look up to and respect, uh, somebody that um, you can bounce ideas off of, somebody you can sit down and and talk with and, and gain knowledge. You, you never want to always be the smartest person in the room. Um, and I think when you surround yourself with people, especially someone you can trust and you respect, um, having that mentor uh, is invaluable for myself um, it was a professor in my undergrad uh, during my associate's degree at a community college here in um, the greater Oklahoma City area uh, His name is Richard Watemeyer uh, He was my professor for psychology of of various courses i took I ended up taking as many courses from him as I could but what I loved about him and what I continue to love about him is, he's a man who makes you think. He doesn't let you get away with shallow thoughts. He wants you to expound. He taught me to expound. He taught me to think more critically uh, about how I view things, how I view myself, uh, how I view uh, others, and and why they behave in the ways they do. Uh, and for that, I am grateful for him. And to this day, I can t- consider him uh, a good friend. And my mentor, I like it. Nietzsche is my mentor. Nietzsche's your mentor. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: no, that's good. A lot of back um, and forth
0: you get with that mentor. What's that? A lot of back and forth banter between you and your mentor.
1: Unfortunately, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I don't speak German, and um, he's dead. Um, so I, I like it. I like. It. I think it's hard to improve in any area of life without having guidance from someone who knows more than what you do and is able to teach you that. So my first rule of life for myself is question everything. And this is not a rule that I've ever had problems with (laughs) at all. Um, uh, It's something that's always come very naturally to me. Uh, And, you know, of the, of my different personal qualities that I have. It's one that I'm I'm maybe the least uh, not ambiguous, the least ambivalent, the least ambivalent about. Yeah. I don't, I I can't think of too many situations where I felt like questioning things was a bad, a bad, um, bad situation. So what that means to me is looking at the claims of others and my own, my own thoughts and beliefs and really analyzing them in a thorough way. And it's something I do reflectively with most state, most new statements Mm -hmm. that I hear. If I hear on the news, the new study came out, I immediately start questioning it and start wondering if it was
0: misinterpreted. So you start from a position that, um, do you have an underlying assumption that they're trying to mislead you? no, Okay.
1: Yeah, I I don't have an underlying assumption that I'm being misled. I, just, I have an underlying assu- assumption that everything deserves to be questioned and evaluated thoroughly. Okay. And sometimes I'll decide I'll I'll have a back and forth with myself about the various positions of the various sides of a debate and decide whether I need to look any further into it. Or not, depending on how much it affects my life.
0: You play devil's advocate and and whatnot for yourself on both sides of the issue.
1: Yes. I I think I'd even do this pretty well with things that I have deeply held beliefs about. Um, I heard, well, I was listening to a podcast today where they were talking about religion and they're talking about. Uh, They were, they were, they were, they were voicing an opinion that I would be inclined to agree with Mm -hmm. if I was to just go with my emotional reaction, but I thought, uh, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound quite right. I don't actually believe what they're saying to me about this.
0: I, I think it's helpful. Um, one of the podcasts, both you and I listen to psychology in Seattle by Dr. Kirk Honda covers some pretty heavy topics uh, and especially on the the realm of ethics, uh, what is ethical? Um, what should counselors and therapists do under certain ethical uh, contexts? And if we approach ethics and ethical decision making from a emotional standpoint, um, people can get hurt and we can get sued because what yes. is what is. Uh, our normal gut reaction of ninety nine percent of the population has a place in time, but that place in time is not always what is right, what is legal, what is ethical. Yes, for counselors, I agree one hundred percent. I think that you will be served well by questioning um, many things, if not everything, uh, as a counselor.
1: Yeah, that's so. What is your what's your next one, Josh? Your next rule for life, rule for living.
0: My next rule for living is strive to master at least one thing. And I feel like many people um, are... Well, let me say this. For most of my life, I was described as a a jack-of-all, master-of-none. And to this day, I still feel like I've um, had a knack for being decent at a lot of things. I've had a lot of jobs. I can relate. I've... um, but I've never taken the time to master something, and I think that's, um, that's something I need to do because I feel when we can master at least one thing, it gives us a new perspective on uh, ourselves, our abilities, uh, and also other people and, and their abilities and why they struggle with things. Um, to, to look at someone and say, well, why can't they just do it? Uh, it's not that hard. There are things in life that are easy for us. Um, I can play the guitar decently, but i'm I'm not nowhere near a master of guitar and When I look at people who have mastered or I feel have mastered the guitar the the gap between their abilities and mine is so very evident. so in the same way, if I look at someone, if I have mastered something. And I look at someone who is struggling in, in that area or another area. I, th- I feel like I'll have a greater appreciation for the abilities they do have. Um, seeing that it does take effort. It is utterly hard to master anything. Um, to to be the one of the best. Uh, and I'm not talking about competing in the Olympics at whatever you do. But to be able to fully integrate the knowledge of what it takes to do this and to be able to perform that uh to the best of your abilities um i feel is enlightening uh and is a good exercise to to help yourself appreciate uh, more about life for yourself and for others
1: sure yeah this is a quality that i really admire in people the discipline and the striving to master something it's something that my my wife has done it's something that my dad has done so i i it, it's something i i and at this point in my life it's something that I feel like I want to do with counseling i'm I'm glad one thing that makes me really happy about counseling is that it's so varied and there's so many theories that can help me overcome my usual problem of boredom it, it I feel like this is a profession that we're going into that can really take a lifetime to master. And so this might be one of the first times in my life that I feel that urge to master something.
0: Yeah. And I think what's nice about counseling is a lot of it's an art. It's not a science. And so, um, if someone, if a famous artist from the Renaissance looked at Picasso and said, well, you haven't mastered painting. Your, Your paintings look like crap. Right. Uh, but for him, his art, and he got to define what mastery was for him. And I think when you can um, have a comfort with yourself, uh, a comfort with what you know, um, you get to decide, have I mastered this? Uh, not in a cop-out way, not in a, uh, I'm giving up, I'm just going to say I mastered it. But knowing this is what I want it to be, uh, and I'm, I'm comfortable am comfortable. With knowing I gave it my all, uh, this is this is my art, this is my craft. And twenty years down the road, if if Josh, if you have uh, practiced as a therapist, and you know that you are being the most um, uh, effective counselor for your clients that you can be, um, and that doesn't look like other counselors, you can still have mastered counseling for yourself. I agree. Yes. So, Josh, what's your next rule for living? Look for opportunities to make new friends. New friends? Why do we need new friends? <laughs> so, this is a
1: adaptive, um, I, I think, thing that I've adopted that I have um, that I've brought into my life based on my particular circumstances. Okay. So, I don't have any kids. I don't plan. On having any kids and so it's been vi- and I have little family in this area the only people that live in 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 Oklahoma City where I live are my parents mm-hmm. and my wife has no family here okay. as well and so it's been a necessity to me to build a community of people uh-huh. um, in a way that maybe for other people isn't as necessary. I want, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that social relationships are hugely important to functioning in every aspect of life. I agree. And so this is something I do. I'm always on the lookout for if I meet, meet someone and I like someone uh-huh. that I'm like, well, we could be friends. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't mean that everyone that I consider friends are the same level of friends, but I also think that they could be at some point, right? Someone could move away, and I think I have a lot of opportunities to then deepen friendships with maybe people who, frankly, I didn't have (laughs) time for before. You've got a leader,
0: you've got a leaderboard, and it's up to to fate for these people to move up the leaderboard in Josh's friendships.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) but you know, having strong social relationships is just something that I value and that's very important to me and that I've that I've put effort into. I think that makes me probably different than a lot of men of my age. I've read several articles about how men don't make friends past college, and that's that's just that's never been the case for me. And then. I'm also in my family, in my relationship, the person that's responsible not this was nothing that was ever discussed. it's uh-huh. just the way it happened for developing and maintaining our social connections um, as a couple i'm the one who's responsible for 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 maintaining our social relationships oh, okay. and that's I think different than the stereotypical that is. the stereotypical or, or, or maybe, I don't know if you call it stereotypical, or maybe that's just the way it is. I don't, I haven't read any research on this, but that seems to be the view that usually the woman is the person responsible for maintaining social contacts.
0: Yeah, I think um, statistically, what bears out is the woman has fewer, fewer close friends Um, guys tend to have more acquaintances, more, more guys that they call friends, but, uh, don't have uh, a deep emotional connection with. Mm -hmm. It seems as though, um, and I believe statistically bared out that females tend to have, uh, closer, deeper relationships with those they call friends. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's, that's something that I, that I do and that I hope to do and imagine I'll do for the rest of my life. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Well,
0: good. What's your, what's your next one, Josh? My next one is don't be afraid to be selfish. Uh, I almost said shellfish, and I apologize for all the crabs and <laughs> um, crustaceans around. <laughs> so uh, what it is to not be uh, – there are times in which being selfish is um, bad, uh, I think putting yourself ahead of others at any expense um means that you don 't make friends you you don 't maintain friendships sure, but there are times in which we have to prioritize ourselves, and I feel like um, those in the helping profession, those who are therapists, those who are uh, nurses, those who uh, take care of other people for a living, often neglect themselves at their own expense. Uh, and end up burning out, end up suffering uh, needlessly because of it. Uh, what For me, what it is to not be afraid to be selfish is there are times in which my own emotional well-being, my own physical well-being, hell, even the amount of time I get to sleep uh, is dependent on me saying, no, right now I'm going priorit- to prioritize myself, uh, not that I will never take care of another person. Not that I'm saying I'm putting you out of my life. I'm saying, you know, right now I need to set, um, some of the other concerns that I'm being asked to worry about on hold so that I can invest in myself and make sure that, that I'm taking care of, uh, Josh bus and I moved our studio from the front of the house to the back of the house. Um, so that, uh, we, we don't have to endure, Chainsaws and wood chippers operating out in front of the building. Those employees who, uh, those workers who were cutting down trees, if they just cut, cut, cut with their chainsaws day after day, those saws would eventually become dull. Um, They know, uh, as did uh, some leaders of old, Uh, I can't remember who it was. They said, if you gave me three days to cut down a tree, I would spend the first two days sharpening my saw right I've uh, heard this so in the same way they know that they have to take care of their tools to be effective um and work ef- uh, effectively in the same way we are the tools in our um our work um, as a therapist I am the tool um Josh jari, is Josh, Josh, tool Josh I do Josh's <laughs> But uh um, yeah I'm cutting this part out um <laughs> I, f- I feel like uh, if we don't invest this in our- is comedy gold, this is comedy gold. I feel like if we don't invest in ourselves, we're going to um, do a disservice to those we do want to help. Um,
1: yeah, you can't help other people if you don't help yourself. Also, you're gonna love Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. One of the seven habits is sharpen your saw. Sharpen your
0: saw. Yeah, yeah, I think. Not being afraid to be selfish and sharpen your own saw um, is an important rule that bears remembering. I agree, Josh. What's your? Remember that I am lucky. Lucky? Are you lucky though? I am lucky. Do you make your own luck?
1: T- <laughs> this could we could spend the entire <laughs> we could spend a couple hours on this topic. I'm I'm sure. Um, so what this means to me is, I have very little control ultimately over over the way that I live today. Okay. It's dependent upon the genetics that I inherited, okay. the way that I was raised, the experiences that I had and did not have
0: when growing up. Being born on second base, right? Or I'm, third base?
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'm one of the luckiest, I don't know, point zero 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 one percent people that have ever lived on the face of the earth. We didn't die of the plague. Right, (laughs) exactly. I did not die of the plague. Yeah. Right. I had very little to do with the 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 happy, the comfortable life that I have today. Okay. And so remembering this helps me to have gratitude yeah and then also to not um, i guess maybe not hold grudges about things that that maybe sometimes i feel like haven't gone my way and also to be to be easier on myself if yeah. i'm thinking about right because in the same, the same way that I said I'm lucky, also, a lot of the things that do cause dissatisfaction in my life, I'm am not responsible for those either. Yeah, and, all, I, like currently, the the person that I am right now is not the person that I was an hour ago. Um, the person that was an hour ago is responsible for the one mm-hmm. that I am right now, but I'm not responsible for anything that happened to me in my past. I'm only responsible for what happens to me in my future. Okay.
0: Yeah. I like that. What's your next rule? The next rule for living that I have is explore. And what I mean by this um I feel like many people become overly comfortable in what they know. Uh, what they've seen, what they've experienced. Uh, and I feel that there is so much more to life that uh, if only we were to put active effort in um, seeking out uh, travel, uh, reading, um, the ar- exploring the arts. Um, I know a lot of people say they hate opera. Maybe they just hated the one opera they heard. Um, if they went out and tried new things. Um, I feel travel is the biggest way to explore that I feel is under, uh, underrepresented. And I, I know it's, as Josh said, it's luck for some people to be born into a place where they can travel a lot. And I'm not saying travel to Europe. Um, but if you're in Oklahoma and you can only afford to travel around Oklahoma, go explore. Uh, if you've lived in Oklahoma your whole life and you haven't been down any part of Route 66, find the time to to do that. If it's um, exploring new restaurants, new coffee shops, um, find out what is outside of your little small circle and your comfort zone. Expand that comfort zone uh, and bring in new knowledge, new experiences, and I feel like that will make you a better person for it. I
1: like it. Yeah, I think new experiences are important for expanding our minds and and helping us to be the the um, the most full people that we can be.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, Josh, what's your your next rule for life? Play board games. Board games.
1: Yes. All right. So. Board game. This is one of me and my wife's favorite hobbies. It's probably our favorite shared hobby that we do together.
0: How many board games do you own?
1: Uh, probably about a hundred different wow. board games. So I've been. I'm gonna try and translate this to because I think it applies to other things. Board games is for me personally, uh-huh. although I think there is a um, a unique aspect of playing board games that. As I've been trying to think about it, I can't, I can't, I, I can't think of a parallel any other activity. So we go to board game conventions, wow. where there will be like a thousand people playing okay. board games for three or four days over a weekend at like a, a hotel convention hall.
0: They're, and they're not all playing Monopoly.
1: They are not. No, these are so. This is the golden age of board games. I'm not going to get into all that. I could go on and on. Board games they are being made right now are amazing. Look them up and play them. Okay. So these are a thousand people. and We've went to several of these conventions now. And we've probably played board games with hundreds of people. And so we go to this room. People are playing board games. We walk up to the table and say, can we sit in with you? And we start playing games with strangers. We have an amazing time. In all the time that I've played board games with other people that are enthusiastic about board games, I've never seen anyone get upset about, never seen anybody be competitive, never seen anyone give a shit about winning or losing. right? I, I think that this is unique to people that are, I think to really love board games in the way that we do, in the way all these people do that go to conventions, that's the attitude that you have to have. But this isn't an experience that I've seen in any other, any other sort of gathering, right? yeah. like, like large gathering of people where you can walk up, you can hang out with people, you can have a good time, and there's no comp- – no, I mean, everybody wants to win, but nobody really cares if yeah. they do. It's just the fun of playing the board game. The community. These, these are people that are extroverts, introverts – people from all different walks of life, and it's an activity that you can share. And as I was thinking through, you know, I, I couldn't think of anything else, like a, 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 sporting, a sporting event, there's lots of people there, but a lot of them are upset, and they're not interacting, they're focused on the event. At a music, um, like a concert, that can be a transcendent event, but you're not interacting with other people, you're paying attention to the musician. Yeah. Um, the only like, parallels that I can think of are ones that occur on much smaller basis. It's like getting together with friend, good friends for dinner uh-huh. and interacting just over conversation. Yeah. Or going hiking with a group of friends. Or dancing is one that I thought of. Uh-huh. Although that's just interaction between two people. Yeah. Usually, but maybe the type of dancing where people everybody dances with everyone. Line Those dances. Those types of things. What's that? <laughs> Line dances. Line dances. Exactly. <laughs> So I think finding something like this where you can interact with other people in a healthy way is a good thing to do. I know it has been for us.
0: Is this part of making friends?
1: Um, I, I mean, there's definitely a parallel there, right? I I haven't actually made a lot of friends from playing board games. These are mainly just we go to Dallas for the weekend and go and play board games. Yeah. And we, we have people that we've seen year after year at the conventions. I, I think it's more it's like a transcendent. It's a, just a meaningful experience to me mm-hmm. to be able to go and have this kind of kind of interaction with complete strangers. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that's pretty unique and okay. not had often.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So something like that, I think is a good thing. What's your next, what's your next rule for life?
0: Uh, my last next one. and is last, this, last one? this is my last one. My next and last rule for life, find somebody that you can be vulnerable with. I'm right here. I'm, I'm here with you, man. I'm opening up to you uh and i think for a lot of people they feel like this is a, a romantic partner uh somebody they're attracted to but it doesn't have to be um for some people um their first formative experience if they had a a good childhood uh their mother or their father was the first person that they could be vulnerable with uh and sadly for some people that that was not the case and they've learned that it's it's hard or they feel that it's impossible to be vulnerable with somebody because they've been hurt uh and i think when people get hurt they they shut themselves off uh but i think it's that vulnerability that allows people to to grow emotionally uh this is something i've i've struggled with um there are times in which i i would have said i was being vulnerable but uh you know now as uh, i go through the masters program and i find out what it is to be truly vulnerable with somebody. Uh, I find that there's not a lot of times that I, I was vulnerable with. Um, you know, I I disclosed previously that I'd been married twice before. And those two marriages, I don't think that I was allowing myself to be vulnerable. And I think that may have contributed to some of the, the pitfalls of that relationship. Um, and so in my current relationship with my girlfriend, uh, I have been more diligent to be open, uh, to express some vulnerability, but I think it, it, it um, helps increase, uh, an emotional intimacy. Uh, and I think that, um, uh, I've been able to grow and, um, become a better person by allowing myself to be vulnerable and finding somebody that I can be vulnerable with.
1: I like it. I think vulnerability is really important. That's what we're asking our going to be asking our clients to do as counselors is be vulnerable yeah. with us. I think that's because we believe that that is a healing for that, that's, a, that's a healing force. That's a thing that helps. That helps to get to truth and like the core of who we are.
0: And I think it's hard to become vulnerable with people because we've been hurt before and many people, uh, not even on purpose hurt other people by the, the things they say, the reactions they give when somebody is vulnerable. Um, and what do they view vulnerability as? Is it weakness or is it uh strength in, in being able to show that vulnerability? Uh, I feel that for my clients who, um, show vulnerability in opening up and expressing a feeling emotion or uh, a thought that maybe they could have been rejected for before. Um, Knowing how to respond, um, when to, to say a comforting word and when to say quiet. Uh, And I feel like uh, it is becoming rarer and rarer to find people who most people can be comfortable with in expressing that vulnerability. It's just a cultural thing, sure. and I think uh, other cultures do it better. Um, I think,
1: um, yeah, there's probably ones where it's less, yeah, acceptable. Yeah,
0: but I I, f- I feel like as um, humans, being able to express vulnerability at any point in your life uh, with someone who you trust is crucial. I agree. So, Josh, like what is your last and final pearl of wisdom? What would you like to share with us?
1: My last rule for my own personal life. Just for your personal life? Yes. It's to mind my own fucking business. <laughs> so, this is something that I've always done. It's something that I do a lot better in some contexts than in other contexts. I think whenever we decide to do this, what, this was one of the first things that sprung to my mind. I think it was after uh, listening to Dr. Kurkonda, who we had referenced before his podcast. He talks a lot about things that are often seen as not being socially acceptable in our society, and that people get real judgmental on. Yeah. In my opinion, are nobody's fucking business. Yeah. Right. Like people's sexual interests, whatever those. Might be as long as they're not harming another person, you, no one has a right to denigrate them or to uh, say that they're weird mm-hmm. or we're all weird. Oh, yeah, right? um, God bless. So, in generally, in, in like people's beliefs and people's actions that don't Affect other people, I'm pretty good about minding my business. sometimes the difficulty that I have is determining what's my business or not. yeah that's where I have some some issues, yeah, and I have at times and I think that I sometimes the tent that I put my business under might be a little too large oh yeah and there have been for different reasons. Sometimes they've been fears that something's going to be taken away from me or that I'll be hurt in some way. Sometimes they've been arrogance that I am a self-designated protector of other people. And... So it's finding that line that, that I find more difficult, right? Finding the line of exactly what my business is mm-hmm. and what it's not, yeah. right? Uh, so, for instance, this is one that I consider not my business, but I could make the argument that it is. Other people's political beliefs that I think are harmful that lead to harmful politicians being elected – is that my business, or is it not? Because it affects me. Yeah. They're, they're, they're political beliefs that I think are not well thought out, that lead to politicians being elected, who have an effect on my life. That could be said distantly to affect me. Right? And so that's probably one of the more like distant. Distant examples of where I sometimes have trouble determining that line.
0: Yeah. It's a very, I mean, it's a valid concern. I I think a lot of people um, wonder um, or have a, an impulse in themselves. Like they want to correct or fix or point out um, that there are black people barbecuing in the park for the love of God it didn't affect anyone right. sure i mean okay so if there was a rule against it that's not her job to point out sure yeah
1: i actually have a good example of this too oh yeah
0: yeah what's your good example
1: yeah so for like for my own life so what i've started determining is there's at times places that i'll go restaurants stores where I find the service to be lacking. Okay. Right. And at times, it, it's, I've thought that maybe I should complain oh, about yeah. this. And what I've come to realize is that this thought's coming from a very privileged position. Uh-huh. Where I expect, because of my status as the customer, the person paying money to the business that this employee's working at to be treated in a certain way and if I'm not treated in that certain way that it upsets me, right? And what I determined is the, the damage that I could cause by making that complaint is much greater than any sort of small discomfort that i get from less than exemplary service that i receive
0: person loses their job right. loses their house loses their kid because they can't have a job <laughs> right. all because josh didn't get fucking glass of ice that he asked for 15 <laughs> minutes ago
1: exactly yeah yes that's why i try and keep in mind okay and and this actually is, a, is something i've done very often, I, I don't do this, but just an impulse that I've felt. More... Don't mind your
0: business, or you don't.
1: No, I, I found that I felt this impulse to complain oh, yeah. more, and I've had to have this like conversation with myself, and I, and I think it's just honestly, I think it's the result of becoming more and more privileged, and thus less empathetic. Right, I'm now as a man white man of my age in my education and my social class am at the near the top of culture and respect in the United States and there's studies that show that people who have that sort of power become less empathetic and I, I actually believe that that's a phenomenon that has happened to me
0: definitely well josh i want to uh, say thank you for sharing your your five rules for life
1: i think i went off on tangent that's there right. at the end no. yeah thank you for sharing yours as well
0: yeah i found them useful useful um poignant and benign uh, i think that um as we give these quote-unquote rules for life uh, that each person should examine them critically uh, as Josh does, he, he holds it up to a light of truth, knowledge, and the American way and says, is this real, is it good, or is it bogus? Right. And it's
1: not exactly how I would put it, but go
0: on. Yeah. No, so I think each person needs to look at these things and says, how can I implement this in my life? Do I need to implement this in my life? And if not, reject it. But if you do think that it is worthwhile, uh, take the time. Take the effort and find ways to integrate it into your life.
1: All right. We got to get to class. Got to get to class.
0: All right. Thank you again. This has been a podcast from Help Your Shelf. I am Joshua Wolf.
1: My name is Josh Buss. Next week, we will be doing Don't Sweat the
0: Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. It is all small stuff. By an author. By an author whose name will be disclosed at a later date in time. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
2: To the jewels of mistakes Choosing is your eloquence A thousand wrongs and not one right thunder. Maybe I can hear your life in every step you take. Hey, hey. In every step you take. Hey, hey. In every step you take. Hey, hey. In every step you take. Choosing is your eloquence. A thousand roads and not one right way.